So I really appreciate the prayers, the well wishes. Um, I was sick uh, yesterday and uh, pretty down for the count, pretty good head cold actually, and my voice was pretty well shot, more air than sound coming out and that kind of thing. So I uh, appreciate all the ideas, the suggestions, all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, at the end of the day, I did some tea and honey and, and uh, just uh, laid low and <coughs> all that kind of stuff and still got a little bit of scratch, but by and large, I'm on the upswing. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll go ahead and try and uh, record our next episode. I really, really, really wanted to get into the next part of Romans chapter three after the first section we're in. Uh, I was just, this is just one of those chapters. I, it practically preaches itself. So I was kind of excited to get, uh, get into it. So let's do that. Just grab your Bible. Hopefully you got it ready at the, at the ready. And we'll go ahead and pick up in verse 21 of Romans chapter three. But I would like to just quote that last passage in Romans chapter three, verse 20 that we ended on last time. Where Paul says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his, in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but not really. One of the uh, basic principles, and uh, of course this is where I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek, one of the basic principles in hermeneutics is when you see the word therefore, you want to stop and ask yourself what it's there for. And uh, therefore, in this case, is there for the reason uh, that Paul had been pointing out something about sin and the law. And basically the idea from the previous verses that he was talking about is that we don't just, uh, we're not sinners because we sin so much as we sin because we're sinners. We are inherently lawbreakers. We are those who run swiftly to evil and those kinds of things. It's just what we are. And so the law is something that we try to use as a standard to judge ourselves, but the truth of the matter is, is that the law judges us much more harshly than we judge ourselves. Uh, the law is there, as Paul said in, in Romans 3.20, not so much to, um, to, to justify us, but to expose us, uh, to expose what sin is all about. Um, we generally tend to condone, um, justify sin, that kind of thing, but the truth of the matter is, is that sin uh, the law, I should say, exposes sin so that we are absolutely clear about what it is that we are violating, so that we're not set free by it, but rather condemned by it. This, of course, becomes Paul's argument later in the letter when he talks about how the law is, on the one hand, so beautiful, so lofty, such a wonderful expression of God's goodness and holiness, uh, his righteousness, I should say, and such, uh, and his justness. Um, but on the other hand, it condemns me because I can't keep it. And so, therefore, since the law can only condemn, how can I be saved? Well, I have to look outside myself. This becomes really the crux of what Paul talks about in the end of Romans 7, going into Romans 8. Um, and, 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 and so in this passage here, we see essentially a quick sort of precursor to that statement down the road. Uh, the, by, the law, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified. No flesh. Nobody can be justified by the law because the law's purpose was not to justify. It can only condemn. The problem is not the law, the problem is us. But since we have that problem, we are unjustifiable by the law. So therefore, the law is used instead, or should be recognized instead, as a means by which sin becomes known. Now with that, we go into verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This is Paul saying that, you know, now we understand, oh, I get it now. Righteousness has to come apart from the law because the law has no capacity to save us. Again, the problem's not the law. 
The problem is us. We are sinful and inherently sinful, wickedly sinful, and the law simply exposes that. And so therefore, if we're going to be justified, it must come through some means outside of the law. The law can't save us, so how can we be saved? And <coughs> the, the, uh, the passage goes on to speak about how this righteousness, apart from, uh, of, uh, righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, and it's even witnessed to us by the law and the prophets. Now, in a couple of ways, there, we can, there's, there are many passages we could look at that, that demonstrate this, but among the most um, clear and prevalent passages in this regard is, on the one hand, the simple fact that Abraham was justified by faith apart from the law. God called Abraham, and by faith, Abraham was justified because there was no law. So Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's not that he followed the law because there was no law given yet, and so he could not appeal to it as some standard by which he was, uh, that he thought he was living up to. In, instead, without even any knowledge of the law, instead he is justified by believing God. As a matter of fact, uh, the passage from Habakkuk 2.4, that the just shall live by faith, it appears in Galatians, it appears in Romans, it appears in Hebrews, in the New Testament, demonstrating that the just shall live by faith. When people wrestle with the idea of the law and grace, well, we need to obey the law, we need to follow the law in some way in order to justify ourselves, or maybe in order to keep our salvation or something to that effect, that's impossible. And it's not only completely askew biblically, but Paul's entire case is one of pointing out that it's impossible for us to be justified by the law. It has to be by God's grace. This is why in Galatians uh, uh, 2.21, he says that if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died for nothing. There was no point in his coming and dying for our sins. And so it is a righteousness, uh, the righteousness of God is imparted apart from the law, uh, and is, is even spoken of by the law and the prophets itself. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful expression of the gospel. He says that there is no difference. The grace of God, the righteousness of God, I should say, through faith in Christ Jesus is to all and upon all who believe. All who believe. Jew and Gentile, as we saw earlier in verse 9. There is no difference. The Jews have the law, and so therefore they're condemned by the law because they know the law. But the Gentiles simply have their conscience, but their conscience condemns them when they sin, demonstrating the fact that even within themselves, they know there is such a thing as a righteous standard. Well, here Paul goes on to point out the fact that not only are, are all condemned, whether it's through the law or just simply through conscience, all are condemned. Therefore, since all are condemned and cannot save themselves, righteousness apart from the law is given to us by the finished work of Christ. And that is the only way, and it is, the, it is, it is only this, uh, it is this grace that is imparted by Christ, but it's imparted upon all who believe, on all who believe, whether Jew or Gentile, there is no difference. In Acts chapter 15, the first church council in history took place, the council in Jerusalem, where they determined, and the question completely revolved around this, can Gentiles come and be saved without coming through Moses? And the answer was yes. They don't need to go through Moses. 
in order to be saved. Because, in fact, as Peter had testified, the Holy Spirit had fallen upon those Gentiles in Cornelius' house whom he had shared the gospel with. They got saved apart from anything to do with the law. And so, therefore, Paul here makes the case, justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It is by grace. The law never saved anyone. Now, that's a tough pill to swallow for many, and not just Israel, by the way, not just the Jews who are zealous for the law, but even for those of us uh, who are maybe even among the Gentile persuasion. Sorry, I got to keep my voice a little moist. But even those of us Gentiles that think that somehow we earn or maybe keep our righteousness by the works that we do, we don't. We don't. It is absolutely, completely, from start to finish and every point in between, It is by grace and grace alone, all through the finished work of Christ, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Christ is set forth as a propitiation. (coughs) which is to say that his sacrifice on the cross, his death on our behalf, paying for our sins on the cross, satisfied the righteous requirement of God. That which we could never do, he alone did do. And it is by faith in him, because he has ultimately become our propitiation. He satisfies that which we have violated. The righteousness of God that we have sinned against has been ultimately um, paid for uh, in that redemptive act on the cross. Uh, And he did this in order to demonstrate right now his righteousness, that he again might be just and the justifier. He's just uh, because he has uh, not winked at sin or just sort of blown it off or set it aside as if if, uh, it didn't mean anything, but he is just because Christ is the propitiation. The debt has been paid, not just blown off. Sin has a cost. And Jesus paid it. So he is just in bringing forgiveness and redemption. Why? Because the debt was paid. And therefore, he is also the justifier because it is God in the flesh, Christ himself, who ultimately pays our debt and justifies us. Uh, And so justice is served and love is demonstrated, grace is poured out, and forgiveness is received. It is such a beautiful, beautiful thing, all at the point of the finished work of Christ. John would say that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He is just. Sin is not simply blown off. It is ultimately dealt with. What a beautiful, beautiful truth. Now, where is boasting then? Verse 27, it is excluded. There is no boasting. No, the boasting would be saying, I did it. I did something. Well, Paul says that's, there's no place for that whatsoever. Uh, It's certainly not by the law. We just demonstrated the law can't justify anyone. Is it by works? No, our works don't justify us at all, but by the law of faith. And so there's this wonderful bridging of the gap. The idea, (coughs) not of the law in the sense of our keeping it, but rather this idea of God's rule, as it were, of faith. It is by faith alone that we are saved. Uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, we are justified uh, by faith, not of works. It is the grace of God, the gift of God, not of works again, lest any should boast. And so therefore, that is where our salvation ultimately uh, uh, is set upon. 
Now, um, therefore, we conclude, and notice here, Paul is summing up, you know, something he'll be talking about through the rest of the letter, but we conclude, we deduce, we come to the realization and conclusion that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. You know, you don't. In the discussion of law and grace, you don't generally, when it comes to those who believe that you need to somehow earn or maintain your salvation by your works, you don't generally hear them go to Romans 3, because Romans 3 completely sets that argument aside. It completely trumps any possible argument that something we do has anything to do to get us saved or keep us saved. Because if, you're, if, if you could lose your salvation and then try and gain it back, or if you're holding on to it by your works, which means you could lose it, then that means that the finished work of Christ is not really finished. It means there's still something left for you to do. But Jesus said it was paid in full to tell us die. It is finished, John 19. And so therefore, we don't, <coughs> we don't approach this with uh, <coughs> any sense of self-accomplishment. Again, by the law, by the works? No, not at all only by faith. Now, or is it, uh, is it the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles only. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then make void the law, of, uh, the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. We don't, in fact, nullify or make void the law. Again, if, if we did, then God would not be just. In other words, if he sort of set the law aside so that he could just forgive people all willy-nilly without any real you know, satisfaction of justice, we would look at that and say, well, that's not right. Even in our own sense of justice, we wouldn't buy into that. We might, if we're the recipients of it, we might applaud it. But if we see that happen to somebody else, if we saw a murderer that was just let off because the judge was feeling like forgiving him that day, we'd say, well, wait a minute. Justice hasn't been served. Somebody has suffered because of this man's sin. Well, in the same way, God, we get that, by the way, from God. Our sense of justice, uh, the purest sense of justice that we have, ultimately comes from God. And so, therefore, God would not be just in just sort of forgiving people, but not uh, ultimately um, not ultimately dealing with the, the sin. But he is just. And he's the justifier of both the Jew and the Gentile because we're all lost in the same way and we are therefore all saved the same way. There is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith again and the uncircumcised through faith. We don't make void the law because of faith, but rather instead we establish the law. We demonstrate what the law is actually for. It's such a beautiful argument. It is such a wonderfully rich, freeing and liberating argument. Uh, it settles the matter in ways that, frankly, are it's surprising anybody would think otherwise. Um, but that being said, we'll continue, and Paul, because of the importance of this issue, will talk about this uh, from various viewpoints and angles and directions through the rest of the letter, and so we'll continue to make our way through it. But for those of you who struggle with the law and feel as though you're not good enough to earn God's grace, hopefully passages like this help us to realize that we never earn God's grace. There is no earning God's grace. It is the gift of God, lest any should boast. If our works, our efforts, our attempts to be just, uh, justified through our own self-righteousness, if that was the case, then Christ didn't need to come. But the fact that he did come demonstrates our, de- our, our, our complete, full, and genuine need to be saved by grace.
So God has given us this beautiful book, this beautiful treatise on this subject in the book of Romans. And this is why I say this ought to be regular reading for every believer. So that being said, we'll continue to make our way through. If you have any thoughts or questions on this, I certainly welcome them. And um, uh, and so uh, feel free to leave them on our YouTube channel. Sorry, my head's still a little thick. Um, but uh, uh, on our YouTube channel, you can leave comments and such there. You can also go to our church's website at Calvary Chapel Franklin. You can email me from there. You can also learn about our church, check out our, uh, the places that we meet for Sunday morning and Wednesday night, and you can come pay us a visit. We'd love to have you. You can also watch our live streams from there as well on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, and we also post these podcasts there as well. Uh, or if you want to go to my own personal website at parsonspad.com, you can email me from there as well, and uh, I'd welcome that. So thanks again for all your prayers and, and uh, your kind words in that while I was sick, um, and uh, still on the mend, but, uh, but I didn't want to stay away too long, so hopefully this is fruitful. But thanks for watching. God bless you, and may he uh, bless and keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you, and give you peace forever. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you that we are justified by Christ's finished work, and that we don't have to strain and struggle and somehow try to measure up to some standard that your word tells us is impossible, not just some standard, but your law. Uh, which is impossible for us to live up to. So we pray that we would receive by faith that grace. If there are any watching today that are not believers, that have come here weary and heavy laden from trying to strive against sin in the flesh, we just pray that they would come and receive Jesus, that they receive him into their hearts and experience the grace and the forgiveness that he has has afforded us because of his death and resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that the gospel is there for all who will come. All of the weary can come and find rest in him. We thank you for that grace. If that's you out there, I invite you just to simply ask Jesus into your heart to receive the grace of God, to believe in the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, and by faith receive that to yourself, him taking your sin upon his shoulders and you receiving his grace in return, his righteousness his justification. This is all given to those who believe. We thank you, Father, for your grace and goodness toward us in this regard. We thank you that our future is secure in your hands for all who have come by faith. And we thank you, Lord. Help us to experience the freedom and liberation that comes that comes through grace and gives us the strength to overcome sin in certain in, as, as it presents itself to us, but also picks us up when we fail in those places. Thank you, Lord. You're so good, and we love you and thank you for this. We just pray you'd watch over us and help our times together in your word to be fruitful. And uh, we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.